I'm Cameron. I'm glad to be back here. And um, for those of you who don't follow me on Facebook, I've been in Florida. Uh, 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 just just went down there on Monday. So, you know, I thought I'd wear short sleeves. And yesterday morning I was laying on the beach getting some sun. We had lunch outside, but now we're back in the deep freeze. <laughs> All right, um, when you uh, came in, you should have been given one of these pieces of paper. It seems kind of loud. I don't know if it's uh, maybe coming through the monitors. Um, if you could take that out right now, right, quickly. <clears throat> uh, if you didn't, we're going to put the uh, uh, questions up on the uh, board as well. But, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this message for actually a long, long time and prepared a study, but you're just coming in not thinking about it, what, I don't know, what you're thinking about. So um, <clears throat> uh, the idea... And what we're talking about is uh, our identity as orphan or as heir. So I'm going to ask some questions to uh, uh, get you thinking along those lines. Uh, what our true identity is. <clears throat> and so even if you just answer, you know, there's a spot for three answers under each question. But there's kind of a, um, uh, a progression. And so even if you could just do one answer for each and maybe come back later and do the other two, that would be good. <clears throat> So I want you to turn your brain on <laughs> and think, just, we're just going to take a couple of minutes uh, to come up with uh, some of these ideas. What three words would you choose to describe the ideal role of a Christian? What is a role that a Christian should have uh, by being that they're a Christian? And so a role might be, you know, uh, an example to influence the community, you know, to be a light to the world, Jesus said. So that, that would be a role. Um, <clears throat> and so just what, what three words, or even if you just start with one, what, what comes to mind as, as how you would define the role of a Christian in, in, in the world today? Second would be, uh, name three corresponding responsibilities that Christians have as a result of the role. And so if your role was to be a light of the world, well, what would be a responsibility that's connected to that role? Uh, just like if I have the role of a pastor, one of my responsibilities is to preach the sermons. And so that's a responsibility. Uh, with every role comes responsibilities. And so what is a corresponding responsibility? <clears throat> so you can be thinking about these and writing them down. Uh, what three words would you choose to describe your identity as a Christian? <clears throat> Our role and identity is somewhat different. Identity is who you are. What is your nature? Uh, what, uh, what uh, uh, you know, uh, if you were to introduce yourself, not just what you do, but who you are, what would you say to someone, especially in uh, connection with being uh, a representative of Jesus Christ, being a Christian? And so what words would you choose to describe your identity? And then finally, based on the three identity words, it's on both sides of the sheet if you didn't see. Based on the three identity words, what are three corresponding behaviors that you exhibit or aspire to exhibit? So in other words, maybe you don't actually exhibit, maybe you don't actually practice these things, but you know you're supposed to. <laughs> and so you write down what this, I aspire to be this way because my identity is such and such. Uh, what behaviors express your true identity? What responsibilities reflect 
the role you're called to in the place of a Christian. Think about that, write down a few things. There's no right or wrong answers. I was going to give you one minute, but I remember the second hand on that clock doesn't work. That one. The second hand doesn't work on it. Role, responsibility, identity, behavior. Those are the four things. Now, as I preach, I'm not going to answer these questions directly. But the topic of what I'm preaching about connects to all these things. And again, these questions are to get our minds thinking along the lines of our role as a Christian, the responsibilities that come with living that role, our identity as Christians, and the behaviors that should flow out of that identity. Well, we're going to move on. You can continue writing things down as we talk. Or rather, as I talk. <laughs> so our, our identity, I read some scriptures concerning us from the New Testament. Paul, uh, the apostle, writing to the church in uh, Galatia, says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. This verse just speaks to every one of those four things that those questions touched on. It speaks to our identity, speaks to our role, speaks to our um, uh, uh, behaviors and responsibilities. It really does talk about it. I'm going to read this from another translation, the New Living Translation. that puts it this way. It says, But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us. To buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that we could adopt uh, so that he could adopt us as his very own children and because we are his children god sent the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out abba father now you are no longer a slave but god's own children and since you are his child god made you his heir Wow, that's a powerful statement. In the message, it reads this way. The message is a very contemporary uh, wording. Uh, it says, But when the time arrived that was sent, set by God the Father, God sent His Son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that He might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives crying out, Papa! Father! Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave? 
I love that sentence right there. That's why I put this, this translation into the message. Isn't, uh, doesn't the privilege of intimate conversation uh, with God make it plain that you're no longer a slave, but a child? Our identity has been transferred or transformed from slavery into sonship. Uh, and if you are a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. Well, from this verse, we're going to talk about what that means and how it can apply to our lives in this day. <clears throat> verse 7, particularly, we want to focus in on. It says, You are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are His child, God made you His heirs. Every one of us were slaves. All right? And sometimes it's hard for us to understand that. I watched this movie, The Butler. How many have seen that? Yeah, one person. <clears throat> well, I generally don't watch movies. The only thing I watch it was on the plane on the way to Florida. <clears throat> I'm like, oh, okay. And it seemed good. It was an amazing movie. It blew me away. What blew me away most is it took place almost entirely in my lifetime. I'm like, wow. Because when I was a kid, I was disconnected with the whole struggle of racial inequality in our, in our society. But when all these things were happening, I'm like, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, as a transition of someone who, whose who's, uh, you know, parents or grandparents were slaves and, and brought up during the civil rights movement. But in a very real way, each and every one of us were born slaves. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 8. He says, he answered to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. How many have committed sin in their life? Yeah, those of you who don't raise your hand, I need to talk to you afterwards. <laughs> We've all sinned. Every one of us in some way. And so, oh, that's just a little thing. I never kill anybody. Well, it's the little things that reveal our hearts. Uh, and a slave, Jesus said, does not abide in the house forever. But a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. <clears throat> According to that verse, every one of us were slaves. But Jesus came as the Son to make us free. To be God's own child. This is our true identity. Once we've experienced the adoption that's available through faith in Jesus Christ. When you come in to a relational experience of Jesus as Lord and Savior, there's a transaction that happens. It happens in the spiritual realm. It doesn't just involve your uh, intellect, although that's an important aspect of it. Uh, it doesn't involve just ritual, although that can be a part of it. Uh, doing some religious thing. It involves an encounter with the real God and the person of Jesus Christ where you come into relationship. And that relationship changes us from being a slave to being a son. <clears throat> it says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus, as the Son of God, grants those who come to Him freedom. Not merely from sin, but unto sonship, okay, or being heirs of God. And this is where the focus of Christianity and the focus of many Christians, they focus on getting free from sin, and they think that that is the central message or the main point 
of being a Christian is just to get free from sin. <clears throat> now, not to in, in any way to diminish the importance of getting free from sin, and we'll talk about it a little more in a minute, <clears throat> uh, but the focus of, of, of Christianity and the purpose that Jesus came was to bring us into sonship. Right? Not just merely removing us from sin, but bringing us into our real identity, what was destined for mankind from the beginning, and that is a relationship as heirs of God, inheritors of God and the things of God. God, uh, in the New Living Translation says, God has made you his heir. You know, I I was with my mom and we were talking about different family members, as we often do. (laughs) Whenever I see her once every year or two. (laughs) And I have a a great uncle. Uh, You know, not an uncle, but a great uncle. And I found out this trip, he's worth somewhere between 60 and 90 million dollars. And he's he's like, is he 80? He's close to 80, if not... Uh, he's going for 90. Wow, I have a rich uncle. Maybe I'll get an inheritance. I don't think so because <laughs> twice removed now. That's my great uncle. I'm not counting on it. But, uh, wow, wouldn't it be cool if he just said, you know, they call me Bucky. Uh, that's my nickname in my family because I was born on the first day of deer season. <laughs> Serious. Everybody in my family calls me Bucky. Or Buck. They go buggy. Oh, I mean buck. Because I'm old now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Father, if you want to put in... Oh, is it Uncle Richie? I forget his first name. <laughs> what, is his name Richie? I don't know. That would be funny. That's one of my uncles. Is Richie. I think it's Richie. And he's rich. <laughs> to give me a few of those 60 or $90 million, I would receive it. But, wouldn't it be great to be his heir? All right. An heir of God through Christ. Wow, that means something. Uh, In Romans, Paul talks about this same idea, uh, this idea of our role, if you will, or our identity in God. It says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, that's not gender specific. That's relationship. You're a son or a daughter. You're a child of God. Uh, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That spirit of adoption causes us to relate to God in a very intimate, personal way. Abba is a a, um, a personal, uh, intimate way. It's like Daddy or Papa. It's what a kid, a child would call. Uh, if I remember correctly, it's the Aramaic. And so it's the common person's language. Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so this happens on a spirit-to-spirit level, deep within us. And if children, he makes this point, you know, if we're children, if we've come into this relationship as sons and daughters, then heirs. 
Uh, uh, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. This is so radical and so important to understand. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And those two uh, points, I think, are not conditional points in that it, we only are heirs if this happens. I think they're conditional that as heirs, we enter into his sufferings, but we will also enter into his glory, glory and glorification. Uh, I hope that makes sense to you. <clears throat> Uh, so uh, Vincent's word study, a, a, a study helped to kind of unpack the meaning of this word heirs and what was meant when Paul was speaking of this. It says joint heirs refers to a Roman law, which the New Testament was written, the, the Rome ruled the whole world. Roman law made all children, including adopted children, equal inheritors. And so if you adopted a child... And all the children had to divide the inheritance equally, whether they're adopted or not, whether they're liked or not. Uh, parents couldn't favor one over the other. Jewish law gave a double portion to the eldest son. So there's a Jewish tradition that the eldest son would have twice as much as uh, uh, all of the others. <clears throat> not all of the others combined, but all of the others. So divide it equally and give two portions to the oldest. So there's a special place for the oldest. And that's still reflected in our culture. But what the scripture talks about here is that we're co-heirs with Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. God's only begotten Son. And so He is the true Son of God. The firstborn, the Bible calls Him, but we come into, even though we are sons and daughters through adoption, we become co-heirs. That means that we have equal inheritance with Jesus Christ. Do you realize that? That you already have access to and legal right to all of the blessings and position of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? For moments. I don't think any of us in the room, I don't think I believe that. You know, it's not that I don't, I'm preaching this. I believe this intellectually. I know this to be true. But experientially, am I living day to day as though I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ? Am I walking around the world through the midst of the day-to-day -day circumstances, knowing that, in reality, with Christ, I rule the world. All things are subject to me as I am in Christ. Now, when I'm in unity with Christ, all circumstance, every knee shall bow to the knee of Jesus. So if I'm already bowed, everything around me is going to bow to Jesus. Is this making sense? There's nothing in your life that has more authority than Jesus Christ. And you're seated with Him in heavenly places. That means you have authority over all your circumstances. Do you believe that? Come on, I'm challenging you to embrace what God clearly says is our true identity. Peter says, <clears throat> referring to the same idea, I, like that, I love that there's a, a life group studying a, uh, the book of Peter. I always think it's great because we kind of get to know Peter through the Gospels. He was a real person. He made mistakes. Uh, but he was willing to go out 
and walk on water. It's the only one that walked on water, even though he sank. <laughs> um, uh, it says, but you are not like that. You are a chosen people. A, you are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for you call, he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We're going to look at these five different uh, aspects or attributes that directly address our role as Christians, our responsibilities as Christians, our identity, and our behaviors. And the first one is that we're chosen. Say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Okay, he's quoting from Deuteronomy 7, 6. And it's very, very interesting that that was a prophetic word that was given uh, uh, to the Israelites as they were coming out of slavery from Egypt. Right, after the Exodus, this word, Peter is quoting from the Old Testament, applying to, applied then to the Jewish nation as they were leaving slavery. He, Peter is now in the New Testament, and God is now saying that applies to us as Christians. To every man, woman, and child that comes into relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, those things that defined the Israelites now define us. <clears throat> because just as Israel, the nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham through Isaac and through uh, Jacob uh, had a unique relationship with God that was not based on their works. Do you realize that? All the way through the Old Testament, the relationship of the Israelites was not based on their works. It was not based on keeping the law. No one ever get, got to heaven or got into right relationship by keeping the law. A lot of people misunderstood that. Uh, they, it, it was always based upon promise. God's promise to Abraham. It says, now as Christians, those who live in Christ, we share in that unique place, that unique relationship, that we're chosen. We're chosen. Uh, the bottom line is that you have been chosen. I'd like to say you've been handpicked by God himself. If you've responded to the gospel... Somewhere in that process, God put His Spirit and connected it to you and drew. I believe His Spirit is working to draw all men and women. But that response then means that you're chosen. You've come into a unique relationship. You've been selected to be royal. Second word is royal. Uh, everybody say, I'm royal. Uh, we are royal because Jesus Christ is King of Kings. In Christ, we share His royalty. Alright, by new birth, we're born into royalty. You can't become royalty on your own. Alright? Yeah, we, we live in a democracy. We were so disconnected from the idea of kings and, and queens. Uh, <clears throat> and so this is an idea for Americans. It's hard to grasp. But this is something that cannot be earned. It can only be inherited. A king becomes a king because his father was a king. Right? And he inherits that role. So the idea of royalty is something that is impossible to earn. In Exodus chapter 19 verse 6, God is speaking to Moses on the mountain and God says, you shall be, you, referring to all of Israelites, all of the people that Moses was leading, you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Wow! This is speaking to our identity. And remember, 
God took this nation, all those millions of people in Exodus that left Egypt, they were all slaves. All right? All they ever knew was slavery. And God's speaking this incredible word that says, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to be kings and priests, and you're going to be a holy nation. Oh, what a, a, an identity transformation that they had to experience. And it's something uh, that we experience when we come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Our royalty, just as the Israelites' royalty, our position of being representatives of the King of Kings is directly connected to our priesthood. A priest is one who interacts with God on behalf of others. That's the definition of a priest. Are you a priest? People have ideas about priests. Alright? How many in the room are priests? Spiritually, we're all a priest. Alright? This is our identity. So, identity as a Christian, if you wrote down priest, good. That's one of your identities. Or that's one of your roles. That could be a role. Because you interact with God on behalf of others. A person who has direct access or connection to God. And the bottom line of this application for us as Christians is that we are kings and priests. That's who we are based on God's word, based on the truth. The uh, next word is holy. Say, I'm holy. holy. All right. <clears throat> holy cow. Nope. No. Holy humans. <laughs> uh, the word means sacred. Physically pure, morally blameless, and consecrated or set apart. This is our true identity. You know, the enemy accuses us of hypocrisy when we speak of uh, or talk about holiness, even though we have remnants of our fallen nature. But real hypocrisy is when we act out of that fallen nature, uh, the sins that, uh, besetting sins or things, uh, temptations that come, that's hypocrisy because that's no longer who we really are. Am I making any sense there? It's that you're not a hypocrite when you talk about holiness, when you pursue holiness, just because you have some sin that you have yet to conquer. You're hypocrisy is when you give in to that sin because that's not who you really are. All right, and God wants to rid you of that, so that to release you into your true identity of who He's made you to be. Freedom is not permission to continue in sin. All right, that would be bondage redefined. All right, it would be allowing us to stay all wrapped up and bound. Freedom is realizing and living our true new creation lives of being sacred, physically pure. How many want to be physically pure? That every effect of sin in your body is gone. Alright? That you are pure physically. There's nothing that causes any shame or weakness. And morally blameless. Wow! What freedom that would have. You know, if you were completely morally blameless. And you were in a discussion with your spouse. And you knew you were morally blameless. <laughs> And you knew that she was, or he was morally blameless. That would change how you talk to one another, wouldn't it? See, all of this boils down to something that's applicable to real life. Bottom line, you're holy. Uh, special, I love this one. God's very own possession. It means special or bought or won. And the emphasis is on the personal nature of God's relationship with you. 
You know, this is very personal with God. Your identity, your life, you are... God is personally involved with you. Alright? Do you realize that? Okay, there's 7 billion plus people on planet Earth, but God's big enough to be personally concerned with each one. Personally. It's personal to Him. The value of something is the price paid for it, and the price paid for you is Jesus Christ. Alright? That demonstrates the value. You are valued. You are valued as much as Jesus Himself. And the last one... As a result of all these other things, you can show, this is all taken from that one verse in Peter, you can show others the goodness of God. Right? Just as Israel's unique calling in the Old Testament was to be a light to the world, they were communicate the message and the person of God to all the nations. And they did, actually. A lot of people say they never did it. And I challenge that. I say, you know, God's purpose actually succeeds because we have the Old Testament record as an example that we still refer to today. They're still testifying of the person and the truth of, of Jehovah, Yahweh. It's another discussion. <clears throat> Their role was to be a light to the nations. And now we have inherited that same calling because we're grafted into that same promise. Our relationship with God is unto something. Alright? In one sense, it's all about you. But in another sense, being about you is unto. In other words, it's to bring us into something bigger, something greater, something more transformational. You're called to change the world. Say, I'm called to change the world. And this is the unique thing. You're called to do that by being you. It's just by being you, by being who you really are. You're a world changer. And so uh, Aaron's going to lead us in a, a time to respond to this idea that we're chosen, we're royal, we're holy, we're special, we're world changers. Turn over to Aaron. Give him a hand. Yeah. Good word, huh? A lot to, to mull over. We're going to respond to this this morning and... You know, I was noticing each time Pastor Cameron, as we went through each of these qualities, you know, asked us to, to speak it out. You know, I am chosen. I am holy. I am royal. I am special. And I noticed, you know, early on, we had some conviction with it. I am chosen. And other times, I'd hear like it more mumbled. And, you know, it's hard to speak it out if we don't believe it. And um, I, I often think about this idea of being a co-heir with Christ. And I, I think about, what if I actually believed it? Not just in my head, but what if it was written on my heart and I actually believed that every step I took, you know, and, and was belonged to me, you know, yeah. belonged to God's kingdom. And, you know, it's really easy to, I feel like, to compartmentalize our lives. You know, here we, I have my career, I have my family, I have my friends, and over here I have God, you know. Um, but when, you, when you're co-heirs, if you're an heir in a kingdom, that dominates everything about your life that is your identity that's who you are that impacts every decision you make everything you say how you walk the confidence you walk with if we're coerced with christ we should have a little bit of a holy swagger i think we should have a pep in our step we should be confident because we have a big god and he's our dad um and i think often we feel like christ's sacrifices you know it stamps our ticket to heaven but really, Christ's sacrifice makes it of heaven available to earth. And, and we, are, we are people that are called to do that, to be a part of bringing heaven to earth. 
But before we can do that, we have to recognize these things. We have to know we're chosen. We have to know we're royal, holy, special, world changers, when we have to believe it. It can't just be in our heads. And I, I feel like it's a process. Every day, it's a step. You know, we talked about that this morning. It's a step. So this morning, I want to take, take a step towards realizing our identity. I'm sure all of us can identify one of these, at least one, that were like, uh, I don't believe that about myself. I had a hard time speaking that out. Well, this morning, let's take a step and believe that's true about ourselves. Would you stand with me? What I'm going to do is I'm going to read each of these, and we're going to speak it out. And if you can get in a place where you can take a step, like if you need to step in the aisle, it's fine. But each one, we're going to take a step forward and believe that that's what we are. So here we go. First, we're going to start with chosen and get in a place where you can take a step forward and, and say and repeat after me, I am chosen, and then take a step. So I am chosen. All right. I am royal. I am royal. I am holy. I am holy. Say it with some conviction, church. I am special. I am special. I'm running out of real estate here. I am a world changer. I'm a world changer. Yeah, that's who we are. This week, I challenge you, if there's one of these things that you still don't believe or it's, 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 you're still wrestling with it, go to God about it. Wrestle through it. Let Him speak His identity over you. Take some time to really soak in His presence. Put on some worship music and let God just tell you how He feels about you. We're going to do that for just a second right now. Um, then, we'll, then we'll close. But let's, let's ask God, which one of these... Do you want which one of these do you want to pinpoint for my life this morning? Which of one of these do I need to take a step towards? So let's just take a couple of minutes to, to pray about that. love you. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made to make this all possible. We thank you that our value is 